Hello and welcome to Reactive Spin the Byline podcast. I am Efikiori and this week we are talking about the imprisoning of the leader of opposition in Belarus, strongman Lukashenko practices against his political opponents and what is the EU's position. We are also talking about the upcoming French presidency of the EU, the hot topics on the agenda and the focus on the digital regulation. What changes can we expect? A court in Belarus sentenced opposition leader Siharei Tsikhanovsky to 18 years in prison. To shed some light on this story, I'm joined by Euroactive senior editor Georgi Gotev. Now, Georgi, we see another Belarusian citizen being imprisoned, adding to the long list of imprisoned people who are against Lukashenko's regime. What was the reason for his sentence? I think some background will be needed. Um, since he came on power in 1994, Alexander Lukashenko has been uh, cracking down on opponents, uh, throwing them to jail with uh, fabricated uh, accusations. Uh, Sergei Tsikhanovsky, a pro-democracy YouTuber and blogger, has been in prison since May 2020. He was put in jail, by the way, uh, two days after he announced his intention to run for president. The Belarus elections were held in August 2020, uh, so Sergei could not run as opposition candidate, and it was his wife, Svetlana, she's an English teacher, um, who was little known by the public then, uh, and she ran on his behalf. Uh, Lukashenko claimed having won the elections by 80%, but uh, judging from the magnitude of the protests, uh we can safely assume that in fact he lost the elections and that uh, in a normal elections the head of state uh, should be Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya the trial was conducted behind closed doors there was not much information about it to begin with and this is a practice strongman lukashenko is following against everyone who is criticizing him was tsikhanovskaya arrested alone The thing is that uh, Tsikhanovsky was uh, arrested uh, indeed uh, with a group of um, people. Um, and um, when he was sentenced uh, on 14 December, uh, five other supporters were jailed uh, for 14 to uh, 16 years. Uh, you are asking me about, uh, you know, the way that uh, trials are conducted and so on. I must say that uh, Belarus jails and detention centers are holding uh, hundreds of political prisoners. This includes political opponents, uh, independent journalists uh, or protesters. There were many protesters uh, after the elections. Uh, actually, some 7,000 Belarusians were rounded up and thrown into jails in a matter of days. Uh, around August 2020. And there are many reports uh, suggesting uh, beatings and torture. Uh, we can safely say that uh, Lukashenko w- would deal with everyone among his nationals who criticizes him in the most monstrous and frightening way. Uh, this is what we call dictatorship. Tsikhanovsky's wife, uh, as you mentioned, she is living in exile and she is an active political figure. What actions uh, could she take from abroad? 
Our journalist uh, Alexander Bzorzowski uh, interviewed uh, Tsikhanovskaya uh, the day before the Eastern Partnership uh, Summit. Um, uh, Tsikhanovskaya used uh, this uh, interview uh, to uh, push for better targeted sanctions uh, and uh, for the EU to avoid the loopholes in the sanctions already enforced against the Lukashenko clique. Uh, I think uh, Sikhanovsky is basically playing the role of a Belarusian government in exile. Uh, she represents the future democratic uh, Belarus. However, uh, we understand that uh, she cannot uh, realistically expect such a democratic uh, change uh, fast, mainly because Moscow would not allow it. Um, if a revolution becomes possible in Minsk, uh, I think uh, the Kremlin fears that the same could happen in Russia. And not long ago, you talked again to our podcast about the imprisoning of the dissident journalist uh, Roman Protasevich, uh, and it seems like nothing has changed. Human rights keep being violated, and there is not much action taken from the Western countries. Uh, what can be done for this? As you say, uh, what was particularly striking was the hijacking of a Ryan airplane with the purpose of capturing uh, journalist and blogger Roman Protasevich and his uh, girlfriend. Um, in the meantime, uh, Lukashenko opened the hybrid war uh, by importing immigrants from the Middle East and by sending them to the Polish border, hoping to destabilize the EU. Uh, you know, he also hopes that the Polish authorities would also violate uh, human rights of the migrants and uh, that he would appear as uh, more humane than the Polish authorities. But I think that except Russian propaganda, uh, I, I don't believe that he could uh, impress um, anyone. Now you are asking me uh, what can the EU do? Um, Ahead of the Eastern Partnership uh, Summit, uh, uh, the EU announced uh, it would um, increase uh, by 30 million euro its support uh, for Belarusian civil society. I think uh, such support is very valuable. We know that uh, some targeted uh, sanctions are in place. But of course, the EU could do more and uh, some individual countries are actually doing more than the others. And when you're referring to other countries, you mean Lithuania and other neighboring countries, right? And Poland. Uh, these are the two countries which are uh, also the target of the hybrid war by uh, Lukashenko. Uh, actually, he, he would like to take uh, revenge from them for, uh, for hosting uh, Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya and uh, the remaining members of uh, the opposition also for hosting uh, social media channels uh, which are dangerous for his regime. Yes, it's a, it's a complicated situation. Well, thank you, Georgi, for the information.
You can also find Euroactives beyond the byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on Euroactive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. And from Belarus, we are returning to Brussels, where France is getting ready to take over the EU presidency in January and for six months, putting on the table its priorities. Now, to hear more on this, I'm joined by Mathieu Pollet from Euractive France. The French presidency of the EU will start with the beginning of the new year. What are the hot topics in the French agenda, uh, Mathieu? So yes, as you know, Emmanuel Macron unveiled last week the priorities for the French presidency of the EU Council, which is to start in a few weeks from now, actually. The main takeaway here is that Paris will push towards a more sovereign EU. The president said that he wanted the Union to move from a Europe of cooperation within the borders to a powerful Europe in the world, fully sovereign, free to make its own choices and master of its own destiny. To, To achieve Uh, this sovereignty, he called, for instance, for reform of the Schengen area that could be based on the model of the Eurozone with the establishment, you know, of a political steering committee and regular meetings between ministers. He also said that France should take structural initiatives towards Africa and the Western Balkans. Still, to achieve this sovereignty, Emmanuel Macron emphasized the need for an industrial revival. And, and he, he, he spoke about a few key sectors He talked about hydrogen, batteries, semiconductors, cloud defense, health and culture. More generally speaking, Macron called for imagining a new European model. What he's putting behind this is mostly a more social Europe. For instance, we know that Paris will will push for this proposal for EU's minimum wage and wage transparency directives. What will they try to achieve the digital regulation plan? And what is the digital regulation plan? Uh, what what changes can we expect? So yes, digital is expected to, to take quite some room during the, those six months. Uh, France really hopes to see the successful conclusion of the EU's flagship proposal, the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act. But there is more than that. And back to the sovereignty now. Macron really called on the block to act as Europeans and, and to, to get rid of those technological dependencies. So what we can foresee is that Macron will push towards having more European giants, European champions, right? And this is where it's interesting because on the national level, uh, local players, national players are always um, accuse the governments of playing on both teams, on the Digital Giants team and on those um, local players team. And they say on the one hand that they that Paris is leaving them too much room, too much room for Digital Giants. And on the other hand, not helping the local players um, enough for, for them to maybe someday replace those American or, or chi- Chinese uh, big tech. So it will be very interesting to see Uh, and that's not only for digital, what is putting behind the, the, the sovereignty, uh, the sovereignty objective. Well, thank you, Mathieu. And our time is up for this week. I am Evi Kiori and this was your Active Spill the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week for our final episode of this year. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.